Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick and Noel. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, 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 gobble. And uh, Black Friday. Are you a Black Friday shopper? No. Does not strike me no. as your scene. No, I, I, I don't even like going into retail stores when it's a Tuesday. <laughs> um, so I'm not big on going um, on Black Friday. I don't think I've ever gone Black Friday shopping, actually, ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I haven't. I went once um, because my parents were like replacing the beds in their house, like all of them. Sure. And so yeah. it was like a, okay, well, if you're going to do that, then probably there are some good sales worth taking advantage yeah. of. Um, and that's the only time I think that, and, and it was actually super chill because it was like four o'clock and there was like nobody there. We were yeah. worried it was going to be a zoo, but it really, really wasn't. That's the only Black Friday shopping I have any experience on. Because uh, Friday is second Thanksgiving for us. So, like, right. we have we have important spending all day in the car <laughs> plans um, always on Friday. Uh, I think you'll be very proud of me, Noel. I took Wednesday off of work this week, as well as Thursday and Friday. I didn't teach for a whole day before Thanksgiving. Go me. That is very impressive. Uh, so me. did you spend it doing like lesson plans and no. the other videos of recitals? And- no, I've got a <laughs> massive stack of lesson notes that I need to do that is actually going to be a real problem because I don't know when I'm possibly going to do them. Um, but, I, yeah. but I've been sick all day. So <laughs> okay. one of my students came to lesson sick as I was teaching like 12 hours on Sunday and also Monday and also Tuesday. And <sighs> listeners, gentle listeners, don't. 10 your kids to lesson sick if you have to carry your own box of kleenex which by the way i've been there i know how that goes and thank you for doing that because that's just better but if you're at that state don't go to your lesson because you'll get your poor teacher sick and your poor teacher does not have the time to be sick thank you very much um fortunately i have not been doing i've not had any responsibilities around food this thanksgiving and my, Mm -hmm. my mom has just been doing everything and she's amazing and so that really really helps. So today I slept and then I slept some more and then uh, other people got the coffee on the coffee run, which was nice. And then we went and bowled and we did, we watched Knives Out and then we ate food and now I am recording with you. Woo! Woo! We're seeing Knives Out tomorrow. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm excited. I look forward to your thoughts when you've had a chance to see it. Uh, listeners, as you might be able to tell from, from our context here, we are recording the podcast earlier this week. And because of that, and aforementioned really, really long work days to get lots of lessons in uh, before uh, the, the holiday, uh, I have seen th- three, four episodes of television this week. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so Noel's going to be carrying us on that portion of the well, podcast. we're cheating as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, also, a lot of shows are off for the holiday, yeah. so there's that. But um, then we'll, what we'll be doing for likely a bulk of the episode is having our best TV of the decade conversation, um, the, yeah. the hotly requested by, by a couple listeners <laughs> segment. And demanded by the internet. 
<laughs> demanded by the internet as as we uh yes as we were shocked to discover now i'm looking forward to that conversation that'll be at the end of the show and it's going to be a lot of fun there's been a bunch of really interesting and thoughtful and creative and, and engaging lists and articles that people have been putting out and it's been really fun to to sort of like see a new list drop and oh i wonder what's on that one there's certain threads you know certain shows popping up on all of them but there's just so many especially for people doing a list of like 10 shows which is yeah like for the decade not nearly enough shows um so it's really interesting the shows that then people connect with more and which ones appear on a lot of the lists and which ones are just very unique and clearly speak to something much more specific to that person. Uh, so it's been, it's been neat. And I'm looking forward to seeing what overlap we have and, and, you know, what observations we've had as we, as we both have pondered the past decade in, in film and in TV, sorry, the past decade in TV note, not the decade of the teens, because as you will point out that ends next year. Yeah, yeah, it, it ends next year. So, but I'm trying not. I'm trying not to be that person. 2010 so. until 2019, <laughs> which is what we're doing. Um, also, in TV news this week, we have uh, you know we mentioned the cancellation of the Netflix MST3K reboot uh, with Jonah Ray. That one is is unfortunately no longer going to be continuing. Um, but the bigger piece of TV news that we wanted to mention was that Melissa Benoist uh, went onto Instagram. I think it was Instagram and posted a 14 minute yeah. video uh, detailing her experiences with domestic abuse and intimate partner violence and um and that i you know i haven't girded my loins to watch it yet i've read summaries um there are a lot of people are very moved and i will watch it uh hopefully in the next couple of days but it's, it's not something i think you want to just go into lightly so i i, I really commend benoist for being able to and being willing to be open about that experience and talk about how it shaped her and what her experiences were. And hopefully there are people out there listening uh, and sharing in that vulnerability and that honesty that really need to hear, hear this. I mean, I think we all do, but who can relate in a really personal way and draw inspiration from, from what she's you know been through and what she's able to share with other people. I mean, I think that's amazing. It is, and it's uh, the, the what she describes, and I, I've only read a summary of it. Um, sounds quite har- harrowing. Mm-hmm. So uh, yes, no, incredibly courageous of her to kind of step forward and use her platform to raise awareness of this kind of thing through her own experience. Yeah, and yes, Supergirl has experienced intimate partner violence. It really can be anyone. Um, so so yeah, it, it, it I. It's something that, you know, she doesn't name the the betterer. Um, people have kind of pieced together who it has to be. Um, but, yeah, I think having that that open, you know, communication with her, her fans and feeling she can talk about these issues, yeah, takes a lot of strength. So way to go, Melissa Benoist. And, um, yeah, I, you know. I'm not looking forward <laughs> to seeing that, but I, 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 I think it's important, and so I, I will be checking that out. And yeah, I, I, it's just incredibly brave. There have been a lot of, you know, we're going to talk about Watchmen at the end of the show, and uh, or not at the end of the show, but in the uh, towards the end of the week in TV. And um, there's been a lot of su- really amazing writing around Watchmen. That might actually be my favorite thing about it right now. Uh, I love the show, but just the writing that it has inspired in people 
um, has been has been really great. And a uh, friend of the show, Angelica J. Bestien, opened her write up of this most recent episode um, this week uh, over at Vulture, talking about one of her earliest memories being domestic violence of her father attacking her mother, and it's incredibly powerful. And so again, I can't like I can't process how brave that is to just start your write up about this episode that that touches on violence and touches on cycles of abuse by being able to share that something so personal and that will has connected with other people which i know because i can see them talking to her on twitter about it um and so anytime anyone is able to to open up and really share that share those experiences it's really something to be commended so thank you melissa benoist thank you angelica jade bestian we should get into our week in tv um so let's do that and we're gonna kick off the the week in tv with a little smoke gets in your eyes just oh so beautifully used in Watchmen this week so uh we'll listen take a listen to some eartha kit and be right back after this That was Eartha Kitt's Smoke Kits in Your Eyes, uh, featured this week on Watchmen. Uh, this week in TV, we're going to kick things off with some Good Place Talk, The Answer. This was their fall finale. It aired last week, but we're talking about it this week. Then we're going to catch up with Evil Two Dads, also aired last week. We're talking about this week because we missed that one. And uh, yes, there are things and stuff and things to say. There's so many things. <laughs> Next, we'll go over to Watchmen, This Extraordinary Being. Then Noel's going to catch us up with The Flash, The Last Temptation of Barry Allen, Part 1. And uh, we'll round things up with Arrow Reset. So first up is The Good Place. And I talked last episode about really loving this episode. And uh, yeah, I, I, as I think on it, think back on it i just love it more did i overhype it for you did you connect with this one the way that i did or was it more in in keeping with the rest of the season for you i think it's better than the rest of the season by far i don't know that i really like loved it loved it loved it as much as i think everyone else did but i also think it's also getting graded on a curve because of just kind of the season hasn't been particularly good and it's finally a good episode so we're like yay um However, I it's just it's a really kind of fun way of redoing a clip show, I think, as well. Um, in a way, I think it's that's a really delightful kind of approach to think about this episode. Um, but generally, I just really sort of liked the overall journey that it goes on with Chidi and the ending of it with the note that he gives Janet to harken back to Eleanor, leaving a note for herself for J- Janet as well through Janet. Um, and I just, I really liked how all of that played out and how it just really 
drew a really solid connection to that season one um, finale and beginning of season two to this fall finale before we get into the final few episodes of the season. Um, so I really liked it from like a larger structural level. I'm glad that we finally got a lot of cheaty stuff um, because goodness knows I missed all of that. Um, so I am curious to f- see like now that they've done this character bit. Mm-hmm. All right, now we have to do plot. We have to do more plot stuff because that's what the season has been. So I'm waiting to see if, if this is hearkening some new thing here. Um, but now that you have a chance to actually talk about it in detail, how did you feel about this? I just loved getting that uh, focus in, especially on like his childhood. I thought that scene mm-hmm. was so telling for him, you know, appropriately telling for what they were trying to set up for the rest of the episode. Um, I liked the energy of his parents. I thought the kid, the actor was so good <laughs> capturing just like everything about Chidi and, and Chidi at that age too. So well done casting, well done direction, well done child actor. Um, I kept waiting as I was watching. I was like, how is this slushy thing going to like, Inter like sp- like mess something up or and then it yeah. had absolutely nothing to do with that. I was like, oh, okay, that makes that makes more sense. <laughs> but it was an interesting, completely manufactured on my part uh, level of suspense and added mystery and intrigue. What you should um, have been paying attention to was the margarita. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, the I, th- I thought just it was a well paced and time and, and and like placed uh, episode. Yeah. Before you know, having this be the fall finale. An ending on this note rather than a plot note was was crucial. I thought um, the you know listeners know I've not been the biggest Cheedy and Eleanor stan. I don't I don't ship it, <laughs> but I think that the if you're gonna go for that as like end game and as a way of really setting up your final you know run here, they they sold it pretty darn well. Um, yeah, just having that. Those interact. They, they've really in this episode sort of um, explained them as a couple yes. in a way that I appreciate. That I don't, and I don't think that they earned previously, other than just Eleanor always going for dirtbags and then finally not going for a dirtbag because Chidi's great. And this, I think, this episode made them make more sense. Um, and uh, you know, it just while all these actors are terrific and they've really gelled uh as a as a unit you know early in season one i the dynamic and the energy with with those two just feels so comfortable um and just so cozy i guess like the the scene Mm -hmm. of them um in the reboot where he has like the the vampire um gothy uh completely not into him soulmate um that that scene in the alley or whatever was was so nice and not the type of energy that i've gotten from the their scenes and their romantic scenes previously outside of everything in the good place (laughs) around the post office and the postal uniform um so so it just i don't know for me it just clicked in a way that relationship and their counterpoint to each other clicked in a way that it hasn't previously I must go tend to my ravens. <laughs> um, I, I kept wondering if that was like a young Moira shit. Mm-hmm. Her raven apocalypse or what, yeah. whatever that The croning. Was. 
The crowing, right? Crowing so different from ravings, but I mean, it could happen. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I do. I do see exactly what you're talking about. I mean, I was. I've. I've generally been willing just to roll with the shows. This is what we want, type of thing. Even though deep down, I think we all know that it's really Eleanor and Tahani. I think mm-hmm. we just all know. We that. all know that. Like, yeah. Deep down in our, deep down in our tummies, we all know that that's really the actual end game here. Um. But I. I do agree with you that like in particular that scene in the alleyway just really drives it home. Um, but I do think that the note and especially that Chidi writes it in the way in which he does provide himself that reminder, I think is helps conceptualize it more so in his end necessarily than hers, which isn't something that I think the show is never not provided, but it's a good way of really solidifying it. And I think that that's that's what I think I responded to the most. Yeah. William Jackson Harper's performance is terrific um, throughout. It's really good in that last moment. Um, but we also should mention, at least I, I need to mention, that absolutely gorgeous scene with him and Ted Danson before he gets his mm-hmm. memory erased. They like they just so completely nailed that scene. And I was just sitting there going like, why haven't you been this all season show? <laughs> I know you can't, it can't be like moments of realization. It can't all be moments of realization. That doesn't really work. You need the journey, not just the destination, but it was just so lovely, such a lovely, lovely scene. Yeah. So hopefully there's more of that coming. Like I like the zaniness. Yeah. I love the twists. I love the turns. Don't get me wrong, but uh, a little bit more balance, a little bit more of this stuff um, for me, hopefully as we get towards the end. Hopefully. Right. Yeah, yeah, me too. Now, the uh, horse of a different color. <laughs> Over on Evil, <laughs> we have uh, confirmation. Like, I like how there was so much that happened in Two Dads. And the thing that I am by far the most concerned about is that uh, Christine Lottie has not broken up with Ben Linus. Um, what's his actual name? Leland. 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 That is what I am most concerned about. Not the birthing of the skeleton crypt baby thing. Oh, not just, like no. not the ghosts. Not the oh. the dead ghost twin sister. Like none of that is concerning to me. Like I think the show wants it to be. Um, I, listeners, I made the mistake of Noel just like texted me like, "Oh gosh, evil!" exclamation point. And I was like, "What?" He's like, we should have talked about it. We got to talk about it. And so then I made the I, I made the mistake of then going and looking up just like a, an idea of the plot, like what happened um, online. And and then the episode couldn't live up to that, to what my brain had created. It was just so anticlimactic. Okay. And that is not on the show. That is entirely on me. And like the like the little sum ups I was seeing, I was expecting a way trippier them getting high okay. stuff, which didn't happen um but i thought it was i thought it was a nice uh a nice i guess field trip for for the two yeah. of them and uh and the, and i thought they ha- handled the the ust just right um I, th- I thought the the ghost was a bit on the nose just like down to the costuming and the posture and all that it was very it was there were some capital c choices happening there which i, th- I thought were fine but but it was. It felt very pointed. Like we're setting something up here. Um, so while the the stuff with the dads, I thought was really good, worked really well. Um, I just. I think. I think that's out. This is on me for 
because I know how ridiculous this show can be and how creepy yeah. and off-putting it can be for wanting it to be m- more of George kind of level and, than, than what we actually got. So, um, yeah, and, and also Andy, we'll talk about Andy. Andy seems like a dick and they have their work cut out for them, but I think they know that. So, um, more on Andy in a bit. Let's start, let's start with either, uh, Christine Lottie, who's still sleeping with, I should, Cheryl, is it Cheryl sleeping with Leland? I think so. Yeah. Or we, the field trip. Where are you at? No, no, I'm, I'm not surprised that she's still sleeping with Leland. Like that was, that was always going to be the case here. Yes. It's what it um, had to be, but. It's not yeah. what I want it so, to be. So in no, my head, it's, canon. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but it's a good way of like really ramping up the whatchamacallit, the tension in the household real real fast with um Andy back. Um but it's it it's a good and the immediate sense of loathing between these two characters is so deliciously apparent mm-hmm. that it's just gonna be like, oh man, this is gonna be real bad once everyone's back home <laughs> it's gonna be very bad uh so yeah i'm i'm disappointed in cheryl but i'm also just like this was going to happen there was no way this was not going to happen um so that between that and then the hey we solved the vr goggles and i just went well you did not solve the vr goggles because yes. <laughs> there was no reason to bring those back for this just yeah. to have them him reunite with his oldest daughter. Something bad is about to happen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so way to go. Mm-hmm. Way to go, dad. Maybe stay at Everest next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I liked the, the, I thought they played the stuff with the tension with the daughter. Well, I thought that that, yeah. uh, yeah, that was the right amount of, uh, anger and bitterness and yeah. um i felt bad for the daughter who didn't get a hug which is like okay your arms are taken i'll take a leg and then he stops puts on the other two daughters and he's like you're withholding affection from me i'm gonna focus on you and not get a hug give a hug to the girl who ran forward and jumped on my leg come on yeah no he just seems like kind of a not interesting person so yeah. it's it's also very hard when you're up against charisma bomb mike coulter yeah so just not it, it's it's not fair. Like it's not <laughs> their fault that they did not find a better act, better guest star actor for this. <laughs> well, I do you think he's going to be just like in and out or do you think he's going to be on for the rest of the season? Um, well, they only have like four or five more episodes. So it's potential that mm-hmm. he'll be around for at least half of those at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see him being around for the rest of the season as well. Um, if only to really keep the tension ratcheted up for the house. Uh, since he's got a secret that can just come out at any time and mm. will come out at the most inopportune time. Um, as for the field trip, I mean, I loved the scary baby birth in the cornfield with biting into the placenta and it kind of being a little crunchy and just <laughs> all of it. And then the arms not being right, the head being way too big, the teeth, it was just very disturbing. And I did not care for it. <laughs> um, which is after that is when I immediately texted you after I watched okay. that bit, I just went, okay, well, we needed to talk about this weird puppet that they made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but I do think that, 
I do think that the UST is handled really, really well. The ghost thing is kind of on the nose, but I do think that they're setting some, like you said, I do think that they're setting something up with the idea of reclaiming the demon type thing, um, the sigil. Uh, the extent to which the, that is possible, I think, is also a really interesting discussion, however, that I think the show needs to be conscious of when they're going forward with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm hoping for. But I'm also, Kate, I do have one very important question for you. Okay. Super important. Okay. Would you still sleep with someone who said that their dead sibling was attached to their right hand? And, or would you leave? Like, I really need to know, like, would you just be really concerned about what that right hand was going to do to you all night? Because <laughs> that's a really serious concern that Ben has. And I think justifiably so. Yeah, no, the... <laughs> <laughs> that's that's gonna be a deal breaker and asif Mandvi just sold the crap out of that which was so good um and like because it's either it's like a genuine like this person genuinely believes that their hand of its own will inverted numbers yes or this is the kind of thing that they are lying to you about like either way it is not good this is not a good place to start a relationship from um the fact i think they also really sold well that vanessa does seem really cool and they've they've earned yes. a lot of goodwill with her um yes but but no that is a big old <laughs> retreat situation and um i mean calling up david to to, to be like oh uh, so god uh, what do I do here, dude? <laughs> I needed some spiritual wingmanning. Uh, wingmanning was was delightful and super fun, and I look forward to what's gonna come next. I also like. I mean, he called David. If he wanted to be flagged off, he would have called Kristen. <laughs> but um, or his sister, <laughs> or his sister. Yeah, exactly. But uh, see, so that's a separate issue. <laughs> um, also, he has no David much longer. But still, yes. that was. That's also very telling, but I look for. I'm glad that Vanessa's back. I look forward to what will come, what may come next, um, for that. But yeah, just <laughs> I'm very concerned about how, how this show with because I because I enjoy these characters so much. I'm very concerned about people ending up, uh, like ensnared by demons and devils and whatever, um, like you know, Cheryl. And because I just, I'm invested in these people so much. So I don't like, I don't trust the show to not just completely ruin everything in these people's lives. Um, yeah. Cause the Kings would happily cacklingly do that. So, uh, that it's very stressful, but you know, it's, it's a fun, like what I think what we get here is fun. And yeah. Yeah. What about you? Important question. Oh, no, absolutely. I know. I was just, would just be so out the door mm-hmm. not be able to focus on anything <laughs> yeah, yeah yep yep i it would be like all right well you know what i really enjoy tying uh, the other person up can we try that just the first time we're having sex let's just do it the first time <laughs> yeah 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 and, and just the one side just the one yeah just, just the, the just one, the one hand it's fine yeah it's fine <laughs> trust me on this it's okay yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yep. Um, any other thoughts on this episode? What did you think of the 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 relationship with David and his father? I thought it was generally pretty well played. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like that it, despite the fact that it 
seemed a rushed also seemed earned in a way of like both of these men wanted to repair the relationship Mm -hmm. and were just kind of looking for a reason to do so and found one here and i really really appreciated that um i do also think that the kings and this is separate from their relationship but i do think that the kings just got a little too wrapped up in like trying to be cute here with their name being Acosta and her name being Commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just went, oh, I see you show. I see you. And I have questions about where this is leading, if anywhere, but it's one of those types of things where I'm just like interesting, but also a little on the nose. Uh, but overall, I do think that it was just, it was generally really well done. And I like that it, that they made space to make sure that there was a solid enough resolution there between the two of them. Um, considering the fact that we're probably not going to be back here anytime soon. Yeah. Um, so I, I really appreciated it. How about you? The lingering question I have is whether it was intentional to have confusion around the sigil because yeah. they say that um, the dad got the sigil from the new wife but then they say just a few minutes later that, no, the dad discovered the sigil in exploring their personal history and yeah. ancestry. So which is it? Right. You know, so yeah. unless and- unless it's something where you want to say, like, well, this is the seal of a slave trader. So many people would have connections, you know, if you trace far enough back, you know, in an mm-hmm. in, in, in ancestry, many people whose ancestors were enslaved would have a you know connection to that brand then that could be a different thing but that that's not what they said yeah so i'm curious if that's an oversight or an intentional thread and it feels more like an oversight to me yeah um i can see it being oversight but with these two i can also see it very much being intentional and something that they're going to pay off later because that's that's who they are (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And because of that, I'm I'm not jumping to like the yay, a positive representation of a thruple. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> let's make yeah, sure no, none no, of them definitely. are devils. Yeah. Let's let's not let's not let's not go right there just yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I keep saying devils. It's I think it's demons, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Important distinction. Okay, any other thoughts on on evil or is it time for Watchmen? This extraordinary being. Yeah, it's time for it's time for Watchmen and The Extraordinary Being, which is an episode that we thought was going to be Regina King's Emmy submission. And it is show not. <laughs> it is not. Do not do not think that. Um, so what did you think about this extraordinary being? Do you just want to start with Jake McDormand as Captain Metropolis? <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I, I was like, when he shows up, I was just like, okay, that looks like Jake McDormand. But, but it can't also be. it looks like. Jake McDormand has just been like living at the gym. Like yeah. is, I was like, that's Jake McDormand's face on a completely different body type. <laughs> just like not because like he he's just always in Limitless. Is he just seemed much more slender and yeah. like a thinner frame. And in this, it's like he just like packed down so much muscle. It's like. That that must take so much work and effort and care to maintain. Is there some role I don't know about that he is doing this for? It may have been for the um the the um Alan Shepard thing that he's doing with um uh, wherever that um right stuff television series is supposed to be. Okay, um, but yeah, it, might no, have been for it was that, distracting. But- 
but I think it was also the fact that his hair was very different and the fact that he had a shaved face, which I don't remember the last time I've seen his actual face <laughs> without <laughs> stubble on it, which also threw me. Anyway, we shouldn't be talking about our random white guy cameo on this no. and how much it threw us off. More more on J.P. Dorman when we get to uh, Best of the Decade and we talk about <gasps> Limitless and how much we still miss it. Um, yeah, this was... Didn't you hear it got renewed? It got it renewed. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. Promises were made. Promises were made. Um, Promises were also made for this episode just by the buzz around it, which was just, I think, overwhelmingly, like, impossible to meet. I mean, many critics I highly respect uh, saying that this is the best episode of television of the decade, you know, or, like, in that conversation. And... Like and, and that's just such weight to for anything. There's too much weight to put on anything. Um, but I thought it was an absolutely gorgeous episode. I thought it was really, really powerful, um, and and impactful. I thought the just like technically, it the way that it was achieved was so impressive. Um, and it you know it didn't connect like there are parts of it that didn't connect as much with me as they clearly did with other people. But I thought just overall as an hour, as a like a chapter and a look into this life, I thought it was a really potent and powerful one. Um, I wanted a little more time with it. Like it's one of those rare episodes where I would have liked if it had been a little longer. Um, I wanted, I mean, maybe it's just be being greedy, but I wanted more insight into and in, in just into who he was, uh, you know, like into his relationship with, with uh, Captain Manhattan or whatever, into Metropolis. his history. Metropolis, thank you. Um, into his history with with June and in this other, like, there were certain moments that I didn't feel like I was following it well enough, or just I didn't, I didn't have the, as not much of an impact as I would have liked. Like that phone call before he goes into the warehouse. Um, which was so you know beautifully acted, well well written and everything, but the the betrayal of Captain Metropolis wasn't as meaningful to me as I felt like it should have been because I didn't really buy any sort of meaningful connection between the two of them, and I think a little bit more time on their relationship, re- regardless of what it actually was whether it was more transactional whether it was more like or there were actual there was actual genuine emotional connection or just physical intimacy you know um there were so, so there were a few things like that especially towards the 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 last part of the episode that I that I would have liked but you can't argue I mean like I I can't argue with just how incredibly powerful and potent like all of this episode was the turns the dramatic um like the development of Hood of Justice, the the rage that connecting so strongly with Angela, this discussion around cycles of violence and and trauma over the generations, unexplained and like surprising, but you know, not in, in, surprising, but not fictional feeling connections across generations. Like the fact that Angela became a cop when she had no way of knowing that her grandfather had been a cop you know um it it just makes me think of stories of like people who were put up for adoption later meeting family like siblings biological siblings they didn't know that they had and they both and they have the same physical tics that they shouldn't have picked up but they like oh they all they curl their hair around their ear the same exact way or they have the same laugh or things like that that there's no reason that they should have under nurture 
but some for some weird quirk they do. So like, I think like it was saying so much about all of that, and it was and it did it in an incredibly stylish and powerful and meaningful way. Um, so I and, and like I said earlier, I so highly recommend uh, that people seek out writing about this episode. There's a lot of really good think pieces and re- reactions and reviews and recaps around this episode. Um, yeah, so go check those out. So I've been monologuing. What what did you think of this one? I think it's a really strong episode and I do I do see why there's a conversation around like this is one of the best episodes of the decade sort of thing. Um though I think that's also just a really loaded sort of thing to do. I think just that's a lot. Like mm-hmm. there are too many shows for you to really like navigate that. So I think tempering that, but I do think that this is a really good episode of like the year, I think is a fair mm-hmm. thing to kind of make oh, yeah. approach towards um, without, without really needing to bat an eye. Um, and I think that there's plenty of sort of value in it in terms of recontextualizing the comics, which I think is generally done really, really well here. Um, considering Code of Justice is a, appears in like two pages in uh, Morgan Gibson's book. Um, and how they play that. But I think that the more important thing is that for an episode that is providing answers, which is something that I still think Lindelof doesn't necessarily always do well, which is part of the reason why The Leftovers generally works as well as it does, is that answers aren't really provided, (laughs) but that is also part of the point of the show. Um, So providing a lot of like plot necessary answers about what's going on with Will Reeves is necessary because it has to feed into the end game, but also has to feed into thematic and character arcs here. And I think that that on that level, I think that the episode is just, is really successful in making sure that there's a satisfactory sort of approach to answering. How did Louis Gossett Jr. get John, John Johnson from that tree? And the answer is mesmerism um, <laughs> to which I also went, wait, he, he kind of snapped out of it. Why didn't he just take the flashlight from him? Mm-hmm. Um, hand wave (laughs) don't worry about it it. don't think about that um so all of that i think generally works really well really well and but i think that this idea of inherited and sort of genetic both predispositions but also trauma i think makes a huge difference in how this episode functions um down to the fact that they mirror how um regina king's sister knight spray mask works exactly the same way as will reeves's um white eye face uh that he does for as hooded justice um and i think that all of that generally feeds into that concept that you were talking about of like getting passed down through generational type of ideas so i think on that level it just it works really really well and i think that it it's really compelling stuff and like you said, technically, I think there's a lot of really beautiful stuff in here from a series of seemingly one shot sequences to the way that they loop in and out of like spaces um, like that door just being in the middle of the street that he walks out of and the precinct onto the street is just really, really gorgeous. Um, and that kind of a thing, I think, just works really, really well. Um, th- I am in agreement with you, however, that because they needed to answer so many questions that it shortchanges a number of other things, namely a lot of what Reeves interiority is. And that's, what's missing in a lot of this. And I, I think it's to the credit of um, Jovan Adepo who 
listeners, uh, you may remember from um, whatchamacallit, The Leftovers, he played Michael Murphy over there. Um, and he's going to be playing Larry Underhill in the Stan television series, Underwood, I should say, which I'm just like, I have not been excited about that show, but now I am excited about it because this is a very good actor. And the, him as um, Underwood is really good casting. I cannot overstate how good that casting is for that character. Um so I do think that they're that they shortchange that, and that's really frustrating. And they rely too much on uh, Metropolis's dismissal of it, and his 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 sort of like his own. Oh yeah, no, the rest of the group's not going to be okay with this. But also, Harlem doesn't need an excuse to burn itself. Why don't you just come over? Mm-hmm. Um, that that type of mentality and how he's not willing to listen. It's one thing to be like, oh no, he's got a solar powered secret weapon. Yeah, no, hypnotism through film, be serious. It's like, buddy, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that it relies really heavily on built up type of resentments that aren't are aren't always on screen. So it has to be those big flash pop moments to really sell it. And I think that generally it does, but I think one of those things that's missing is moments of reflection and moments of interiority um, that maybe we'll get through speech and monologue type stuff. When we deal with um, Angela being at Lady um, True's compound now and with current day Will Reeves there. Um, So I just it's really really good i think it's really really well acted um my only and i hate being this guy i hate being this guy and there's no way that you couldn't have done this episode this way because it wouldn't have worked but that's not how memories work you don't see memories in a third person perspective that's just not how they work <laughs> um, so it was like i i appreciated the fact that they really wanted you in that moment with the lint with the um the not followed through on lynching when we went first person but then i also went wait no this entire episode should have been first person then because that's how memories work um yeah but it it added such weight to that scene and that moment and so yeah i fully on board with them for that yeah and and like i said there's no other way to really do this episode otherwise like doing it entirely from a first person perspective i don't think would have worked Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand why I'm sure it was definitely something they discussed and then they just went alright well just the lynching part and it creates a much bigger impact um, so I think that generally works really really well um, and then like there's other little bits of casting in it from Jake McDormand that I think is really good Cheyenne Jackson being the oh my god was just really delicious. It was so perfect. I like. I just. I just started giggling. It was so right. perfect. No, <laughs> both my partner and I both started giggling as soon as Cheyenne Jackson showed up. But then Glenn Fleischer as um, Fred was also just really perfect as well because it's like, <laughs> oh, that guy who always plays her is. <laughs> um, Have you been enjoying the Fred is Fred Trump theories going around? Oh my god, I have not seen that, but. Oh God! Now I can't unsee that. Oh, it's almost certainly that. Oh, I cannot wait to go downstairs. <laughs> no, it could just be a different Fred T who owns a grocery store in New York in this time period. You know, it's oh, an alt—it's an alt universe. So 
who knows? But yeah, that was, I saw that going around. I was like, oh, that's delightful. Well, and th- there's like other like little things like um, them being cheeky about like um, color slowly working its way in through the memories to call mm-hmm. back their whole not Schindler's List, Schindler's List movie <laughs> that they referenced in the previous episode. I'm just like, Oh, this is why I missed you, Damon Lindelof. Mm-hmm. This part of you in particular, this is what I missed. Um, so, yeah, no, I think this is a really, really good episode. And I can see why. And I need to, like, seek out some of the writing on it because I haven't read anything about it because I've been... I actively avoid reading anything before we discuss it now mm-hmm. unless it's, yeah. like, talking about the superhero shows and then I'm okay. Yeah. But something like this, I'd rather talk to you fresh um, about it. So... But this was really, really good and just a really kind of strong sort of seg into the last act. So we only have three episodes left. Yeah, I haven't yet praised Joven Adepo and I need to do that because he's really, really good in this. And I wanted more Regina King, if I'm honest, yes. especially in the family scenes. But but like, but then we wouldn't have gotten him. <laughs> he was yes. so good. That was like, hey, no, I get it. I get it. Um, we also should mentioned that just the comedy moments like when Gene Smart shows up it's like it's it's freaking creepy can you blink would you blink please okay she's we so good in that it's it kind of hurts how much she is. she's very very good um and uh, you know the the mirroring of the scenes in the show within the show versus what we actually see I thought some of those were more effective than others but I really yes. like the the scenes in the the grocers right the supermarket mm-hmm. um so ha- like those were particularly effective um yeah having it just it just really there's so much to to sink into for this episode i do look forward to watching it again when i you know i don't look forward to watching all of it again um that the lynching scene is going to be appropriately very very difficult to watch again um but i look forward to watching the rest of it again uh we should also mention the music oh the use of that theme that piano um mm-hmm. for just so much of the episode is so so good yeah, there's just there's a lot to to sink your teeth into here, and um, yeah, I definitely one of the best episodes of the, of the year for me, yeah. definitely. Um, and but putting more than that on it, I think is is just no no episode needs that. Uh, shout out to Cord Jefferson uh, and David Lindelof who wrote it. Shout out to Stephen Williams who directed it. Like this, like we said last week. Oh look, it's going to be Regina King's Emmy episode. No, it's it's David Lindelof's Emmy episode. It's Cord Jefferson's Emmy episode. It's Stephen Williams' uh, Emmy episode. It's Jovan Depa's uh, Emmy episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I did not miss any of the characters we didn't see, and uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing what's going to happen next. That last scene, that or I guess maybe was this in the in the promo? There was like a sh- shot of what appeared to be an elderly June saying she looks like you. That was still his memories, right? That was still Will's memories. Like maybe when he got when he like came into town like recently, because she said like the old man had been around for a few months. Um, Angela had said that in the pilot. Do you know what I'm talking about or no? Maybe. Um, maybe. I'm, I'm blanking on blanking on this. So. Okay. Well, I, I, it, maybe it was in the promo for next week. The, I, it seems like next week's episode is going to be like her healing. And so like still have some of these back and forths. Um, and I'm also waiting for more to come. I mean, do you think we're going to get more with Don Johnson? Or do you think that's all we're going to get? I mean, there's only there's not enough time, really. Yeah, I feel like there's not enough time because they still have to do all the beat stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that has to ramp up, I'm assuming, but who the hell knows? 
Who knows? Yeah. So we'll see, I guess. Yeah. But a, a terrific episode, a really, a really interesting and thoughtful episode. And yeah, do go seek out, you know, obviously we're big fans of Angelica J. Bestien. So go seek out her writing over at Vulture. But there are a lot of really great pieces specifically about about this episode. The the write-up over at the AV Club is also excellent. So yeah, I look forward to, to sinking into this episode more because it will, I have no doubt, just deepen and become like oh like this is the kind of episode that's gonna feel like opens up more and more as you think about it so i look forward to having that experience with it next up is the flash the last temptation of barry allen part one and i have not i'm two episodes behind on this the season so far um <laughs> i really don't care to get caught up even though i know i know i have to and i will before the crisis um what's it what's in my future should i be dreading this less so this episode is goofy and dramatic and bad, but also good in the way that only the Flash is when it tries to do this kind of thing. Okay. Um. So they're trying to be a little bit more experimental, which I sort of appreciated. What, what ends up happening is that the resolution of the cliffhanger for previous episode involved blood work attacking uh, um, um, elongated guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he takes a couple of like um, blood work bolts to the body and so they have to give him a um barry allen speed healing blood transfer basically to keep him alive but that allows a little bit of blood work to get into barry's barry's own bloodstream naturally and so the entire episode that doesn't deal with like a little bit more like crisis setup type stuff um even though this episode is nothing but crisis setup by the way um deals with Barry trying to fight off the infection. He's passed out for almost the entire episode in his head. So there's a lot of like weird dreamscape stuff as a manifestation of blood work and a manifestation of the speed force basically go to war for Barry Allen um, with blood work basically promising. All right. Well, you know, if you just allow the infection to take over, you can just survive whatever this crisis is. And, it'll be fine and you'll be able to have you'll be able to have a future and a life and a kid and it can all be yours if you just let the infection take over and the speed force being like he's lying to you listen to me i look like your mom but also <laughs> yeah you kind of have to die because the universe is at stake so really sorry about that but you need to die um standard speed force type of stuff so it's all like really silly down to the point where Barry Allen's speed force mom and blood worker like pulling on each arm of Barry <laughs> in his a facsimile of his childhood home. Oh my God. And it's just like, it's really silly. It's really goofy, but it kind of works. Okay. Like, it's, it, and it only kind of, it doesn't like completely work. Only kind of works. Um, but then there's other things that don't work, like the Speed Force mom gets shot with some blood work goo, but the CGI is really bad and not layered well enough over the actor. So it's like hovering over her as opposed to attached to her. Um, so there's that kind of stuff as well. But then there's also just random stuff where Barry Allen's in a dark room talking to himself kind of thing, trying to figure out what's going on. So it's all very, very silly. Um, but it's also generally sort of good and continues that thread of them dealing with Barry's impending death of the crisis. And what does that mean? And how are they approaching this um, internally, not narratively 
from a show perspective, but as characters, what are they doing about it? To which Bloodwork goes, you're not actually doing anything about this. So you've just resigned yourself. Don't resign yourself. Let me control you. Which feeds into the end of the episode in which Barry has in fact succumbed to the infection and takes a knee before Bloodwork. And I should give you all of this and give you one more piece of advice. In this episode, it is 36 hours before Crisis on Infinite Earth starts. Mm, okay. So they're like really ramping up to finish off the blood work thing in the next episode so that whatever happens in the Crisis episode plays into what um, what happens here. So it's just like they're, they make a huge point of saying Crisis is right around the corner, like literally like within a day and a half. Um, so that's interesting considering the other two, two shows that are on the air right now are not talking about it at all. Um, but it also leads really nicely into Arrow, um, which had reset this week. So we have a time to watch this one. I did get to watch this one and, uh, it was fine. Um, Uh it was really nice to have Quentin back. Yes. Quentin Lance, Paul Blackthorne, who is always just a delight, and to get some Laurel and Quentin stuff, um, the that scene didn't work for me as well as it should have, but um, but yeah, I, I enjoy I enjoy a well done time loop. Um, this to me, while everybody was acting their hearts out, it, it was just too reminiscent of the supernatural time loop episode for me, um, and. For for me, that one was more impactful and it worked better. Um, but it was a similar kind of larger meta narrative with the within the season of, you know, that that one. It's the trickster trying to convince um, Dean that Sam has to die, or Sam that Dean has to die. I don't. It's been a while. Um, it's, it's it's a great. I mean, it's one of them. Let's it's, be very real. It's always one of them. <laughs> well, because because he's, I think it's he sticks Dean in the time loop um, where Sam just keeps dying, keeps getting yeah. killed in different ways at the mystery spot, um, and it's a really goofy, funny episode. But then you realize by the end of the episode, it has very deep thematic and structural t- connections to the overall arc and these the long term narrative of the characters, and that's what they're doing here, but. Um, yeah, I just think for me, Supernatural nails those better than most yeah. shows. Um, so, so yeah, the, because it was so similar to that, that, that it felt a little derivative. Um, however, I will say I greatly enjoyed that already at the second loop, they're like, time loop. And, like, and, and that Quentin just goes like, like Diggle's like, mm, I don't know. And Quentin's just like, Okay. Sure thing. Time loop. Like, I, we've dealt with way weirder things than time loops. Like, one of your buddies, one of your super buddies, travels back in time or forward in time all the time. Like, that's this is not weird for us. Um, so there was, there was a level of awareness of what these characters' realities should be and the fact that they're so different than our realities that I really appreciated. How did this episode work for you? Yeah, I think it is fine. Like, I think the time loop is boring for the most part because... Like you said, they figure it out really quickly, which means you can't do any of the time loop shenanigans, mm-hmm. which 
it's the whole point of doing a time loop episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the whole point is the shenanigans. Um, did you not watch Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow? Yeah. Where's the Stradivarius? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I do appreciate that they si- they decided to do that because they wanted to do this thing with Quentin. Which, yeah, Paul Blackthorne's just so delightful on this show. i would kind of forgotten. Um, even though, yes, a lot of the Laurel stuff doesn't land for me because a lot of that is still tied up in Quentin, there's no reason for you to behave like this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a redemption arc, but there's no reason for you to behave like this um, type of thing. But I do like that they, even if if it felt a little, I don't want to say fillery, but fillery, um, in terms of you need to learn a lesson. Both of you do. Um, And we're going to have Lila teach it to you. (laughs) Um, That it's... It's fine. Like, I enjoy the moment that happens. Um, and I enjoy that. Yeah, no, this is definitely a thing that Oliver would need to learn. Uh, you just need to accept that this is going to happen. Everything you're doing has kind of a purpose, but also you just need to accept it. And I appreciate that as a concept for an episode, because that is something that Oliver just doesn't do is acceptance very consistently so i do appreciate that there's that element of again this larger arrow concept happening in this episode and i really really appreciated that kind of approach even if it just wasn't a very exciting as a time loop and narratively didn't feel like part of a larger storyline type of thing apart from okay yeah learn this accept this kind of thing um so that was fine. Um, the only other thing that I have about this episode is that I do think that David Ramsey, who directed this episode, uh, did a really good job directing it overall. Um, in particular, the warehouse shootout that happens towards the end of the episode after Quentin gets shot in the stomach but doesn't die immediately. Um, just that whole sequence, I think, is really, really well staged. And until I realized it was Ramsey directing, I thought it was James Bamford, which is probably the biggest compliment I can give uh, David Ramsey's direction of that sequence is that I thought James Bamford directed it. So that that was, I thought, really, really well done and was better executed than a lot of their one shots can sometimes be in that you can just feel someone waiting off frame to jump in. And this one felt much more organically uh, done than some of the other ones in lesser director's hands which has happened sometimes on this show even this season mm-hmm. yeah the uh the energy in those fight scenes really did come through i agree yeah i, th- I think for me while the the moral of the story did work and it was very it is very character specific like you say i have a problem with them taking the time to say well we don't actually even know anything about this monitor guy and who is this? And do we know, how do we know we can trust this monitor guy? And then bringing up real, like following that up with actual concerns about whether he's just making all this up or lying or, you know, who he is. And then not doing anything about that, but just being like, no, you need to trust him now because we say so. Um, yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't work. <laughs> that doesn't work for me. Um, it, it, they, they need to, I think they need to earn that trust. And, him just being like, but no, because I say so, or you're gonna be stuck in this time loop forever. That doesn't like it's not satisfying as a viewer. And like, yes, I can believe that you kept these people prisoner 
reliving the same experiences, basically torturing them until they succumbed. But that yeah. isn't what you're, that's not what they say is happening. So I just, I really think that either have the, raise the concern, have the discussion, raise the concerns, and then lay the concerns to rest, like earn that process or don't, yeah. don't raise the concerns in the first place yeah. or like go, go do this search to find out who this guy is and then find out, oh, actually he's legit. Oh yeah. crap. I was hoping he wouldn't be and have that be the emotional point of that, you know? Yeah. So. I do think that the lesson gets undercut by the fact that he's not in the episode mm-hmm. and using Lila as the proxy, which again is kind of how Lila's going to work, or at least that actor is going to work in the crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, since she's playing Harbinger as well um, and may even be Harbinger right now um, is my pet theory. Um, so I think that that's something that's an element of things here, but I do think that, yeah, him, the monitor not being present, I think, undercuts some of this dramatically but also there i think oliver you would have to write oliver as having more resistance to the concept if he was there as opposed to it being lila Mm -hmm. which is a different sort of source basically someone that he knows and trusts um i I was gonna say likes but i honestly don't know how oliver feels about lila yeah. Um, so that's why I went with trust because I don't know that Oliver likes Lila, but also that, yeah, I also don't know that it matters really. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, well, I think this is going to be anticlimactic. But what wins your week in TV? Uh, Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watchmen definitely <laughs> wins our week in TV. Uh, now we will take a break and listen to just oh, Chef's Kiss of a TV musical moment from this past decade um, that too many people have forgotten. Um, And be back with our conversation about the best TV of the past 10 years, 2010 to 2019. We'll be right back after this. It takes a lot to make a stew. A pinch of salt and laughter too. A scoop of kids to add the spice. Of love to make it nice, and you got too many cooks, 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 too an indelible TV moment of the past, of the past 10 years, Noel, uh, they're just there. There's a concern over number and uh, efficacy of, of people uh, preparing food. And um, what are you going to do? Too many cooks, too many cooks. So um, listeners, I haven't seen Kate's list for the best, her, the thing, the 50 shows that she did for TV club. She has not seen the 80 something shows I ended up ranking on a document that I put into tiers and I did like a D tier, a C tier, a B tier, an A tier, and an <laughs> S tier, which 
for those of you who are kind of familiar with that tier ranking, you know that S tier is like the cream of the crop type of the highest of the highs. But I had I had a god tier as well. <laughs> there was only one show in the god tier, listeners. And that was too many cooks. <laughs> Did I seriously guess? Is that the one you were talking about earlier yes. on Twitter? Nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Too many cooks is the god tier show of the 2010s. <laughs> and I just it's been mind-boggling to me that this has not appeared on any other lists. Like none. <laughs> And I don't understand why, um, in part because I am trolling by ranking it so highly, but also because I feel like Too Many Cooks was a prophet that anticipated the peak TV sort of experience mm-hmm. in a lot of ways before Landgraf had even coined the term. Because Too Many Cooks was in 2014, Landgraf coined it in 2015, and the entirety of that 11-minute segment is all about television and it's parroting television that's the entire point but there's also this sense of the overwhelming nature of television expressed specifically through this bit and i think that that just really sort of encapsulates the 2010s and that weird sense of there's too much of it how do we boil it down so the fact that you have smarf by the end bleeding on the kitchen floor, trying to turn it all off, but is unable to, I think really encapsulates where we are as a television viewer, where we have too many options, too many streaming things that are now about to be consolidated even more. And we're just going to get our cable bundles back. Um, some, I think it was the AT&T Warner Media folks who just said, yeah, we're trying to figure out cable bundles. And it's just went, no shit. Mm-hmm. But I think that, too many cooks more than any other thing that aired on television this year encapsulates the 2010s absolutely perfectly, which is why it's the only program that's in the God tier and why I feel that that it was probably the most important thing that aired on TV this decade. I'm pretty sure about that. (laughs) I say both seriously, but also trolling just a little. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's too many cooks. Like that's the show of the decade um, for me. Mm -hmm. So that's where I feel about it. But why did you pick too many cooks for this opening segment (laughs) in terms of like our play in? Because again, listeners, this was not coordinated in any way, shape or form. Kate didn't know I was going to do this. The only person who did was my partner and friend of the show, Allison Shoemaker, who asked me what it was (laughs) after I tweeted about this and I DM'd her. (laughs) Well, and I should say that Too Many Cooks was not on my ballot for the AV Club. Um, And, you know, I've watched a bit more TV since I had to submit that. Um, And I had to submit a, a top 50. And there are certain shows that would have dropped down on my list. Spoiler, The Crown would maybe not even have been... You know, it would, have, it would have dropped down quite a bit after season three. There's other ones that would have popped up after recent episodes. Um, Watchmen might contend um, in a way that it didn't w- based on when I had to submit my list. Yeah. Um, t- t- I did not really seriously consider too many cooks. Uh, I did consider Children's Hospital. I did consider some of the other short form uh, stuff like that. But it's just it's just brilliant. And it's so it's so distinct it's this just madcap encapsulation of what people were doing in tv this decade as like you're saying as tv splintered as there was now a home for anything you can imagine and that has 
already started, like, that has already started to decline. Not that there aren't, there are more places than ever to watch TV, but getting that variety and that, like, how did this get approved? Everybody's desperate to have a show, and so they're just letting people do whatever they want, right, is the answer. (laughs) There was a while when that was happening. That is no longer happening. There's, like, a sameness now that... uh, there, I mean, there's more, like I said, there's more venues than ever, but the kind of content you're getting at those venues isn't taking the big swings that it did for a while in this past decade. And uh, and so I think that's a great just way to encapsulate it. Plus, it's catchy as hell. And, uh, and I, was, I was like, what can I use? Well, I'm not going to do Thinking Trick again, though you know I wanted to. Uh, I'm not going to do um, some of the other musical moments that come to mind. And there are so many, so many great musical moments that came to mind from this past decade. What music should I lead into this segment with? It must, it can only be Too Many Cooks. And we've not talked about Too Many Cooks for so long, and I am so here for it because because it is just like, it's so delightful. To the point where I was like very irritated at my TV when I saw an ad for some sitcom that was Too Many Cooks. The ad just was that, um, but with, you know, like reshot with these characters. And I was like, what are you... No, no, you do not get to rip off too many cooks. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm just, I'm tickled pink. I'm so glad that, that we have this, this like simpatico across yeah. the, the podcast. Oh man, it's delightful. I don't know how much more overlap we're going to have, but that's just a great way to kick off the discussion. Yeah, I think so too. Like I was going to save this for the end. Like I was going to like blow your mind with my too many cooks monologue. <laughs> and then you just just went and was just like no this is how we're going to lead into the segment i just went well everything else is just going to be downhill from here quite frankly (laughs) well how do you want to approach this shall we do tiers of rankings shall we do themes like you know as i was pondering the tv the decade there there are definitely themes that uh, like kind of popped up to me and what i was noticing Mm -hmm. but so so, but we can also do like tiers of like and talk about like here are the shows that like were in the conversation for me of like really very interesting and you know maybe wouldn't be in a top 10 or top 20 but like a a show that is really great or maybe overlooked like how do you want to do it yeah i don't know like i think that like talking about like our top shows um like that top s tier like whatever like your top 10 were for i guess Mm -hmm. Uh, because i ended up with like i think 18 or 19 in my s tier Mm -hmm. um because i just went it doesn't matter (laughs) and they're not ranked in any way shape or form they're just listed on a bulleted list um yeah it was very important to me when i found out that the av club was not publishing our ballots for this was like okay good because otherwise i will spend way too long obsessing about the numbers and being feeling judged about it yeah, and I'm happy to make, like, my overall list, like, viewable if mm-hmm. we want to, like, include it in the show notes. I'm happy to no, do that. No, because then um, I have to. Oh, okay. That's fair. <laughs> I don't want to. Um, <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, so, listeners, if you want it, I'll just tweet it. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, like, um, yeah, let's just do, like, a couple of, like, your top shows. Like, I mean, I think that at least I can expect that, like, Hannibal was up there for you as it was mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Justified up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Halt. I had Crazy X. Mm-hmm. I had Bob's. Mm-hmm. Um, Breaking Bad. Yeah, Rectified. Yeah, mm-hmm. Good Wife. Yes, Stephen and Adventure Time. 
Um, I had Shia Furu, but you know that was a, that's a very personal me show, mm-hmm. and I do not expect it doesn't need to be that high. But it is a show that just makes me very very happy. So it needed to be very top tier, like Brooklyn Nine Nine's on there, Atlanta's on there. Um, so I think that's generally where like Thirty Rocks on there because half their episodes just barely aired just barely just, yeah right just barely yeah I was just like yeah slightly more than half aired I just went. Yes. And it's a good half, too. It's the good half. It's a really good half. Um, so I, that's basically where I ended up with was, I think, a lot of the like the usual suspects um, up there. But what about where where did yours sort of end up and what kind of approach did you end up taking? To, yeah. Like, compose like the top bit, the top, uh, bit. The top echelon. Well, yeah. I did, you know, like like we so often do. I did a, the tiered ranking system. So first I did my best to compile as like all the shows and that yeah. would that would be with no account and then i just went through and did like well this has to be on there it, like it was that tier ranking yes. of like if this isn't on my list i will be angry was one yes and then like the show yeah. i love the show the show is really great it should be on there is two yeah. <laughs> and, yes. and like yeah. i had like four tiers five tiers and then what i found was that because i needed 50 if i did yeah counted all of my one twos and threes that got me no if all my ones and twos got me to like 45 and so then okay. i had to just go through the threes and whittle down to to you know and then go from there um but so i will go i you know i i will do i will alphabetize my yeah. top 20 and do it that way i i'm comfortable doing okay. that so here's what i have okay. for my for my top 20 um model may vary i feel yeah. disclaimer disclaimer but i've got adventure time yeah. Atlanta, yes. Bob's, yes. Breaking Bad, because yes. you know I love it. Yes. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Enlightened, yes. Halt and Catch Fire, yes. Yes. Hannibal, yes. Justified, yes. Key and Peele, Mad Men. Uh, not in my yeah yeah. I'm definitely not Mad Men. <laughs> Fuck Mad Men. Yeah. Um, but Key and Peele's on my list, but much lower. Yeah. Uh, Parks and Rec. No, it's not super low. Yeah. No. <laughs> Rectify. I still haven't watched it, so. Yeah, no, that's fine. Rectify. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sense8. Yes. Uh, Spartacus. On there, but no. no. <laughs> of course not. Nobody I haven't else. watched it. So. Nobody else has watched Spartacus. Steven Universe. The Americans yeah. and The Leftovers. Treme and Veep. So those are those are where yeah. I ended with my with my top 20. Now, besides Sharafuru, what snuck in there for you that didn't make it for me? Uh so Queen Sugar is in my S tier. Yeah. Um, I will say that that was my 22. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um I had one day at a time. Mm-hmm. I have that also um, in my top 30. Yeah, and I had descending stories which also wasn't going to be on anyone else's. That's your Spartacus pick. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Chihaya and that um yeah. yeah, um, Brooklyn Nine Nine was on there, mm-hmm. and um, the other one was season one specifically of the Terror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, Terror got knocked down for me because I wasn't allowed to do that, so it was like two drug, two drag down, one for me. Yeah, yeah, and see, that's fair. I didn't have that problem where I just went. It's an anthology show. I get to be specific <laughs> yeah. about which one I mean. Well, and, and because <laughs> I was making this for AV Club, yeah. I didn't get to set the rules. If it was for the podcast, yeah. then we could set whatever the hell rules we want. And I just wasn't yeah. going to do it and again because it was too much work. I didn't have to play by your rules. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, good times. So, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm really pleased with the degree of, like, overlap, I think, is basically, like, there's a, there's a significant portion. Um, everything that you have that I didn't have basically boiled down to... 
either I didn't like it, mm -hmm. a la Mad Men, mm -hmm. it didn't really work for me, the Americans, or I just haven't watched it well, because yes, it didn't work for me in Parks and Rec's it's case. It's not a Noel show, right? Yeah. That's basically it's like... Not an old show. Mad Men, not an old yeah. show. Leftovers, not an old show. Even Leftovers though you is in here. Yeah, just not that. But it's just not, it's not that high up. Mm -hmm. The Americans, not an old show. Yeah. And that, you know, that, that takes me to one of the themes that I really noted as I thought about this, the decade. And there yeah. is, you know, there, there was so much really amazing comedy or half hours. Yes. There was so yeah. much really amazing animation and there, then there was also this just wealth of really intense, uh, and 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 deeply personal and dark drama, and that yeah. it, it's interesting for me the way that that shifted because it kind of started in the the aughts with all the antihero stuff, which was you know the yes. the, the antihero male white male antihero TV, and the way that that developed over the that time was really interesting to me. So with Breaking Bad and Mad Men, but then also the Americans and the leftovers and these different the way that that has like shifted and morphed has been really interesting. I yeah, thought. I think that's a really good point, and I think it really recontextualizes a lot of like that trend in a good way mm -hmm. yeah like for me it's a very positive response and adjustment you know what we've been seeing as that as that line continues like how how it, like mad men and breaking bad lead to, like inform the americans informs the left and the leftovers which informs mad men or sorry watchmen and all these other you know like it's a really interesting yeah line but what also yeah. really matters is that it didn't change fast enough that the kings didn't give us darkness at noon <laughs> yeah <laughs> indeed indeed <laughs> um okay so what was in your next did you have any any other uh one were there any that you were surprised not to find or to find slipping out of that s tier for you not really. Like, the only thing that kind of slipped out that I was sort of frustrated by um, was the fact that this season of The Good Place has really sort of, like, scaled it down to the point yeah. where it's Dropped at the it very top of... It's at the very top of my A tier, not through any sort of thing, but rather that it should be in the S tier, but the season just scaled it back too much for me, that it's mm -hmm. at the top of what is otherwise a very good list of shows that mean very different things to me or shows that I think are very, very good or shows that, yeah, it's just my A tier is a really weird list of these were all really good shows, but they were also, there's a lot of like one hit wonders in that one, as mm -hmm. well as in my B tier that was just like, oh, this is all really weird. So much so that my B tier is basically just A tier part two in a lot of ways. <laughs> okay, But so, I just so decided to split it. Yeah. Let's let's go through those. A and B, A and yeah. B tier? Okay, so what what are we looking at numbers-wise? Uh, so my A tier is, like, much longer than any of the other ones mm -hmm. because it just ended up being kind of the middling. Um, so it's 22 shows. Okay. And my B tier, I think, is also 22. Hang on. It, my B tier is 24. 24. <laughs> okay, so why don't I then why don't you go through your A and B and then I'll go through the rest of my 50. Yeah, your list. And okay, I'll, I'll yeah. and I will alpha should I now should I split these into two tiers or should I just put them all together? You can put them all together. Okay, so I and I will alphabetize these as well. And then and then okay. as you're going through the 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 is it C tier or what was the last one that you had? I have a C and D tier and my D tier is basically just a lot of shows that were once really really good and then just bottomed out but I could I felt bad leaving Leave them, them off. off. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So- or they were shows that I just went, yeah, I really liked this, but I stopped watching it or it just didn't live up in my brain mm-hmm. as much as um, these other shows did. And I wanted to mention them. So that's where my D tier list is. My C tier is a bunch of shows that I thought were just really, really good, but also just not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Um, so when when we get to those, I'll just do some spitballing. That's fine with me. Okay, yeah, sure. Sounds good. So A tier is Good Place, um, Over the Garden Wall. And so I will also note that I also kind of combined some shows on like lines. So I've got American Crime Story, the O.J. Simpson story, and O.J. Made in America mm-hmm. um, on the same level. And then I've got two shows that aren't going to be on your list. Uh, Gatchaman Crowds and Legends of Galactic Heroes, uh, which is the new series of that, which is really, really good. And I need to talk about it on the podcast when we have another slow week. Mm-hmm. Um, then I've got Manhattan. Okay, no, but that that was delightful. Very good. Yeah. Some really terrific performances. Yeah. I've got Kill a Kill, Mm-hmm. which is a really good anime. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got Legends of Tomorrow, Natch. Um, <laughs> just pretending season one didn't happen. See, uh, again, that was one where I was like, oh, the overall average, I can't I can't put it on. But it's so good, and, I, and I, it delights me to know yeah. that it did, that it, it is in some of the conversations now. That just yeah. makes me very happy. Yeah. yeah, no, like, that's one of those shows where I'm just like, oh, it's good that this is being discussed. Because we've, as a culture, we've just decided that those first season, that first season and a half just doesn't exist anymore. And I think that's the right choice. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, so I've got Lupin the Third, The Woman Called Fujiko Mini, which is also really, really good. I've got Underground. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't Key have that Peel. one for the similar reasons, but that's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Key and Peel's here. Mm-hmm. Um, Sense8 is here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got elementary here. I strongly considered that. Uh, I I yeah. have I had um I had strongly considered that for a few things, but um even just for thinking back on some of my favorite TV of this year, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah that was this this year, and the yeah. finale wasn't as good as last year, but that was I really enjoyed that season. Yeah, and I just went the entirety of this concept of a for me what like kicked it up to a tier for me was the fact that I feel like this was the only procedural across this decade that. A, spanned this decade in a way that really worked for me, but also was really very consistent um, while acknowledging something like Supernatural, which is ju- which is also procedural, but is also not a show that I spent a lot of time with or spend any time with, really. Um, also, like something like Grey's Anatomy, which I don't watch, but has spanned this entire decade. Um, so I've got Ping Pong, the animation, another anime. A tier was really the anime tier. Um, I have the Great British Bake Off up here. Um, Limitless, naturally. Of course. <laughs> um, like, in, in compiling these decades lists and stuff, yeah. like, that is one that I just keep coming back to as... Right? As, as just, again, that's in the title. There was so much potential there. <laughs> that may be the one season show that I most lament that we didn't yeah. get a second season for. And there were a lot of really great one season shows. Yes, there were. Um, so I've got Yuri and Ice, which is another anime. Um, and then I've got Lady Dynamite, Better Things, and I'm Sorry, all grouped together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. For the obvious reasons, but also they're all three such different shows, but at the same time, yeah. they're just so driven by their like organizing personality that they they fit into that like themed group that we, we were kind of alluding to earlier, which is why they got grouped together. Um, I've got Danger and Eggs, um, Superstore, um broad city and then sarah's on my uh rounds out my um a tier okay 
Yeah. Um, I'll go, let me see. I'll go A through N. And then okay. we can do your B and we'll do the second half of my here. So I've got 30 Rock, American Crime Story, Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown. I think it's very easy for people nice. to forget that that is a thing that, I mean, because it's such a staple that we, it's it's one of those shows, and I've got another one coming up here soon. People forget only started, like, this season, <laughs> in this decade. Um, Archer. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, that one was lower on my list than I would have liked, but it was lower because of the other seasons dragging down the true brilliance of some of the other of the the best seasons. Uh, Big Little Lies. I was very happy to find space for Billy on the Street. Watching everyone discover Billy on the Street, like on my Twitter feed now that it's on Netflix, has been yeah delightful. It has been terrific. Um, we've got BoJack Horseman on here, Broad City, Brooklyn Nine Nine, Documentary Now, Fleabag. And Fringe, Insecure, Jane the Virgin, and Nathan for you. And then I'll throw it back over to you okay. for the next. Right. So top of the B tier was Leftovers, mm-hmm. uh, Fleabag, uh, Legend of Korra, mm-hmm. um, Agent Carter. Oh, um, I love Agent Carter yeah. so much. Uh, yeah. Um, last Week Tonight, mm-hmm. um, The Good Fight. Mm-hmm. Um, hang on one second. Oh, I've got two shows i've got one show on here twice well i guess we'll just put in the higher ranking one (laughs) (laughs) um wolf hall um space dandy specifically the second half but the entire show um unbreakable kimmy schmidt um community um the nightly show with larry wilmore Mm. uh speaking of one hit wonders trophy wife and enlisted (laughs) (laughs) enlisted so good. Yeah. Um, so Jane the Virgin, mm-hmm. uh, The Carmichael Show, mm-hmm. um, another one hit, uh, then just two more one hit wonders right here. One Two Punch of Terriers and Sweet Vicious. Mm-hmm. Oh, makes me so angry. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Then I've got uh, Terrace House, mm-hmm. um, Kim's Convenience and Shit's Creek. Um, so good. One Mississippi. <laughs> Mm, uh, white yep. snacks, problem areas, and then glow. Very nice. Um, I've got over here one day at a time, which you already mentioned, and over the garden wall, Queen Sugar review, which I again expected to be completely forgotten. And yeah, I've been so pleased it's been everywhere. No, it's been everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and appropriately so. Uh, Drag Race, Superstore, Survivor's Remorse, which again, it just makes me sad that nobody has seen it in the in the mainstream yeah. critical community, at least, or at least it seems that they haven't. If they have seen it, they don't appreciate it enough. Um, then the thes, uh, the the Carmichael Show, the Crown, the the Good Place, the Good Wife, the Great British Bake Off, and the Legend of Korra, and another the that I haven't seen anyone mention anywhere. Um, to my surprise, because it feels like a major oversight in the way that our whole TV landscape has shifted. Um, can you guess? I'm looking at the rest of my, I only, I don't have any thes left on my list. So no, what was it? The Colbert Report. Oh, did they air most of their episodes? They did air most of their episodes. By like, yeah, right? (laughs) I wouldn't have, I didn't even think to go look for it. Yeah. Like, and numerically, oh, they've had more than half in this decade. That's wrong that it's not on my list, and that's wrong that it's not on other lists. Yeah, it really feels, well, you know, and it feels like yeah. an oversight driven more by, oh, that was the, we're, we're counting that as the, as the uh, 
the yeah. the tens, not the aughts, because that because people just think of when it started. Um, but you yeah. know, given where you know, there's a lot of really smart comedic voices. Um, yeah. not the least of which is <laughs> Stephen Colbert, uh, who have come from there, and just the way that that personality driven half hour talk show thingy has 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 gone comedy yeah. show has gone i mean yes the daily show started that but really i feel like the colbert rapport pushed us to where we are now i think if it had just yeah. been the daily show we would not have all of these personality driven shows the way that we like with last week tonight and with full from sam b and with all of these different comedian driven news shows yes the colbert rapport is overwhelmingly a comedy show but it also showed a different way to do that than the daily yeah. show so yeah, that that for me was a big one. And then the last one I have here is just alphabetically is Twin Peaks Return. Um, so yeah, and again, listeners, these mine are alphabetical, not by number. I don't need people to writing in to tell me Twin Peaks Return was obviously better than blah 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 blah, which was earlier in the alphabet. So yeah, th- these are the ones that that snuck into my top fifty. So now I want to hear your next set because I have a few more that I definitely want to mention as well. Right. And well, I think one of the things that like, I mean, we'll get to this with the D tier um, that I'll kind of like think about a little bit is my C tier is the middle um, faking it. Uh, March come, come, comes in like a lion, which is an anime. The first season's really great um, exploration of depression. Um, easily one of the best things that I've seen. Um, we Bear Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, Person of Interest. Mm-hmm. Um, Flowers of Evil. And then a chain of comedies um, that are just very good things. Uh, Grace and Frankie, mm-hmm. Fresh Off the Boat, and Speechless kind of round that out for me. Yeah, Speechless was on my list for quite a while. Um, it was, you know, I was yeah. thinking what that should be on my 20, 2019 list. Um, I also wanted to mention Men of a Certain Age, which I so appreciated. Good um, choice, yeah. Right. Yeah. And a very, again, very overlooked places. Um, the, you know, sh- a show like, you know, Ben and Kate, which, again, look at that, look at that cast. How do you, how do you not let that cast go on to make all of the monies? Um, introduced me, us to Echo Kellum, amongst others. Um, and then even just like, like inside Amy Schumer, while the, mm-hmm. the, the heights of that are so strong, so high. Um, not to mention other, you know, other, other various other sketch shows and personality driven shows. Like I spend more time with late night with Seth Meyer than I do probably any of the other shows. And again, the way that that show highlights its writing staff has ensured that, you know, that really feels like of these various ones that feels like the closest successor to the daily show. insofar as building an entire team of comedic voices that I will now go watch do lots of other things. Um, and, And that's something that could have happened with the nightly show. If it had been allowed to, go on longer than one season and that that show definitely introduced me to robin thebe um and of course shout out to the rundown with robin thebe but um they're in a black lady sketch show but um the way that the late night with seth myers has you know raised the profile of like amber ruffin and oh my goodness this kind of my example, but Jenny <laughs> and the, the but the other the other writers there uh has it, it makes it so that I am now definitely going to be following them in their various projects. You know, same thing. I, full, full Frontal does that too, but for me, it's really Seth Meyers. Yeah, and I Myers was a show that I considered, but I just never like actually put on a list. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was always like in percolating in the back of my head, but I couldn't like figure out where it would why. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. it would go, basically, and but I like your justification a lot that I would put it on probably my C tier. 
mm-hmm. just because I, my CTO felt, felt a little bit like a grab bag of these are all shows that I've really liked. Yeah. Type of thing. Um, yeah. But I can't justify putting them any higher, but they don't, it feels bad to put them any lower. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and there are just so many, sh- and, and when you're limit, like, I had to limit to 50, but like so many of the shows that yeah. you mentioned, if I had 100, would be on there. And any of those yeah. one, ones and dones, any of like the terror, or how about Fortitude and the, oh, God, the fork man one of the most like intense and terrifying tv moments of the of the decade is the freaking yeah. fork in fortitude um there's just been a lot of really spectacular tv this decade and that's part of like what my d tier sort of is is mm-hmm. like burnout type of shows that were significant and mm-hmm. then just fell apart so yeah. like scandals in my d tier mm-hmm. um american crime is in my d tier do yeah. you remember american yeah. crime oh yes i remember it's, american crime it's really good and then it got really messy and not good mm-hmm. <laughs> um i've got orphan black on here which i didn't yeah. even finish yeah i've got orange is the new black which i also have not finished mm-hmm. but like those kinds of shows that just didn't quite congeal enough in a way for me to be like and blackish is also on here Mm -hmm. um where it's like everything just kind of fell apart for me a little bit with those shows but then i have shows that just didn't fall apart like i've got christella on here um i've got continuum uh this is where i worked in our where i worked in the honorable woman (laughs) (laughs) yeah yep yep (laughs) um and i've got american vandal on here too Mm -hmm. as well as um the anime psychopaths but i haven't watched the new season of psychopaths because i don't have time to watch the new season of psychopaths because there's too many cooks yeah um (laughs) exactly but like i almost put empire in here as well because that was a show that was like really significant and then just fell out really so that was kind of like I was my detail was like these shows were either important to sort of the landscape, but then stopped being important. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also one of those things where I looked at that list and the Colbert Report kind of reminded me that I thought about this of going like, all right, definitely not the most important or sorry, not the best by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like not discussing Fox News within the confines of the decade is really short-sighted and bad of us. Yeah. But to call it the best of anything is not good, but it's probably the single most influential programming block that exists within this decade. Yeah. Um. And But it's just not scripted and it's not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of where I ended up with all... That's where my D tier ended up. And I hope... Yeah. 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 Now there were a few that I really struggled with and ended up not putting on my my list of top fifty, um, and that was because I I just didn't know which to choose. In another one of those themes, there were so many really interesting and compelling documentaries, and especially sure. around yeah. the true crime um mm-hmm. genre the one that has stuck with me the most ha- has been the keepers which is still mm-hmm. one that i you know if you're up for it it's an amazing amazing uh chronicle of women trying you know who are in their like 50s and 60s trying to piece together what happened to their favorite teacher when they were in school who was uh murdered right. um but you could put the jinx in there you could put uh, making a murderer you already of course mentioned 
uh, the comedy, comedy uh, twist on all of that. But the, they're also, you know, uh, the Lee Romney, Scientology in the Aftermath, Going Clear. Where do you put documentaries like Ava DuVernay's work? Um, yeah. Ava DuVernay around uh, like the 13th, When They See Us. There's a lot of really compelling documentary TV. I mean, like, we had we had Vietnam and we had yeah. country music and we had like, just Ken Burns on his own, just like whatever he's been doing, you know, is, is should be in a, in a conversation. But when we are so like limited to like when you only have a few shows, what are the ones you're going to go to? Uh, I can understand why that is like the first thing that gets cut, you know, but it, yeah. it's still again, a different but very interesting and important part of the conversation. Right, and I mean, the same thing is applicable towards, like, sports as mm-hmm. well, of, like, there's no discussion about sports coverage in any way, shape, or form, even though sports coverage has recurring program, has scripts, has that kind of, um, has an established set of aesthetics um, that we don't talk about it. So, like, you don't see Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football or the various sort of either the football programs, you don't see the World Cup um, on lists, but much like with documentaries, it's easy for sports to just kind of fall by the wayside, but it's sort of, it's still important to sort of acknowledge how those fit into this landscape and that these are significant parts of television. Um, but we also just didn't include things like actual cooking shows mm-hmm. or like, aside from Great British Bake Off, but that's a competition reality show. We didn't talk about like, we didn't talk about guys' groceries games or (laughs) everyday Italian or the barefoot Contessa or take your pick of like the plethora of things on the food network or the cooking channel that aren't here. Um, that are also significant and doing maybe not interesting things, but are large parts of what they're staples of what, how people consume television and what they are looking for. I mean, that, that just, goes right to a conversation around YouTube and, and bloggers, yes. which is a huge part of things as well. Before we go into that, which I think it would be a, a worthwhile place to go to for a, at least a little little chat, but um, around sports, don't t- you can't tell this Chicagoan <laughs> that the Cubs winning the World Series was exactly. not a, a TV moment of the decade. So Right, yeah. exactly. I think that's, that's a really, really good point. Or like various political coverage and mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. Like yeah. Colbert's live show over on Showtime, where yeah. it was just like just watching, like, oh, like experiencing oh. the 2016 election <laughs> live with people and like just the, yeah, yes, I yeah, agree. Exactly. Yeah. That kind of a thing. So, yeah. but yeah, YouTube. So talk to me a little bit about YouTube. The amount of time I have spent on YouTube React videos is. It would be it would be embarrassing if I was embarrassed, but I'm not. Yeah, because it's really fun, and <laughs> because you can only introduce a friend to a show you really like so many times. You only have so many friends you can be like, "Oh, you gotta watch the show. Let's sit down and watch it together, and we'll both watch it." I totally won't stare at you the whole time to see if, <laughs> watch you watching it. That's all React videos are, but. Um, it's been actually a really great way for me to discover new music and new artists to uh, get a, just a tiniest sense of what the kids are are listening to and saying and understanding. Um, but it's also, you know, I find myself watching you know, educational videos, uh, uh, interviews uh, with experts on topics, uh, all sorts of different kind of things that, that work really well in a five to 20 minute chunk um, because 
it doesn't ever feel like it can be homework. I don't have to think. I'm not going to maybe need to use this for an article pitch later. It's right. it is just like an easy, very digestible way to be entertained, to be uh drawn into a new perspective, a new uh, idea, a new creative, you know, person or personality without any sense that like it's actually somewhat of it is is homework. Um and and I think that the the fact that it seems like 15 minutes is very much a sweet spot for YouTube at this point. And yeah. the fact that you've got the 15 minute TV shows on like, like your NTSF and uh, NTSF colon SD colon S colon colon SUV. No, colon colon's at the end, right? NTSF colon SD colon SUV colon colon, uh, which was the cop <laughs> show parody spinoff of Children's Hospital. Um, and all of those zany like live action 15 minute shows that are paced so very well, just like the animated ones. Um, it's not a coincidence for me that then you go over to YouTube and that's the 15 minute format just thrives there. And it would be great if, if you could have that same success on anything other than Cartoon Network on TV. But I don't know that that will happen with when there is this outlet of YouTube where it can thrive, where there's enough time to do a couple short commercials. Um, and someone might will sit through a commercial for to finish this short video in a way that they won't. If it's a long one, if it's more of a commitment, and if they're going to have to then watch, like, the proportions of the commercials aren't right, you know? Um, right. So, yeah, getting that little window into these YouTubers' finely crafted personalities uh, is has been very interesting. It's a combo of reality TV and of informational, educational TV and of podcasts, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can see. I, no, I absolutely see what you're saying. And I mean, I'm glad that you're going to sign up for Quibi when it launches. Um, <laughs> no, I'm year. not. Even, even tiny, tiny sushi with Adam, Andy Samberg is not enough to get me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, I've watched a fair amount more YouTube starting this summer, but I've been like really specific in what I've watched, which I mean, I wrote a newsletter about it uh, this summer where I've just watched a bunch of Smash Brothers Ultimate tournaments. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's basically, great. it's so fun. It's, I, it's just watching kids play video games. Um, not kids like grown adults mm -hmm. and occasionally, a, occasionally a teenager. Um, well not occasionally, but more than a few of them are teenagers, um, play Nintendo switch in a mm -hmm. competitive setting. Um, that that's sort of how I spend a lot of my, like my YouTube is watching those tournaments. Um, and which is a weird thing to do apart from watching like Colbert Myers and Lily Singh, which is the other thing I use my YouTube for, because those shows might as well just be YouTube shows for me because I don't watch them. I don't record them. Also That's SNL. The way yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then like, I know that a lot of people really enjoy, especially within the past year or so, maybe two years, Bon Appetit's, um, YouTube channel, um, has really taken off with their, um, various things, including this. The recipes, right? Not only recipes, but also just like various sort of personality driven programs that they do now. Um, including, I think, one in which this person does lots of like trash foods as gourmet style cuisine. I've seen those. I have not watched them, but I have seen them. Yeah. Right. People really love the Bon Appetit YouTube channel. And I think that that's one of those things where that's sort of shifting a little bit um and not a little bit but a lot but it's also one of those things where youtube provided the algorithm isn't trying to radicalize you um 
is something that you actually have to dig through and discover in a way that you almost don't have to do with a lot of program with a lot of TV now. Um, but because there's just not enough like mainstream coverage of it, like you're not getting recaps of the not the not YouTube red mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, yeah, I could easily spend an evening um, like watching like the one of the channels I enjoy is Sorted Food, which is um, a bunch of British guys, um, and two of them are chefs, and three of them are not. Are they call them normals? And so one of the things they do frequently is gadget reviews, where they just buy ridiculous kitchen gadgets, and then usually it's one chef and one normal. They have to try to figure out what it is. And then they try it out, and then they have to guess how much they think it costs, and then say whether it's a good purchase or not. Um, it, it's just people trying out wacky kitchen gadgets. But you know what? That is that is wheelhouse case because I, mean, I love a, I love a kitchen gadget. I love a surprisingly effective kitchen gadget, and I have st- stood there in the aisle going like. Is that worth it? I don't know. So, like, I wish I could just try it out so many times. They also do pretentious ingredient reviews where they have to decide mm-hmm. whether it's pretentious or not. And it always is. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. Yes. Um, but, but like things like that, again, it's just the right. It's just interesting enough for that period of time. It's not demanding anything more of you. You can engage with it if you like. And there is there are sh- things on that topic or like in that vein for any topic you can imagine. You want to listen to a language expert, uh, talk review people's accents in of of different languages. You can you there are a number of them over I think it's Wired or something. Yeah, that's Wired does that one. Those are great. I love those. There's I like I feel like, "Oh, yeah, it's a uh, glottal stop." Yeah, like I I know a thing. I know I know what that is now. <laughs> um it, it it's just there's a there's a reason it's it's so addictive and it's such a part of how young people watch TV. I mean, like I, I have maybe just an unusual sample set, but none of my students watch TV. Two of them watch Steven Universe, which I know about because you know, obviously, I love Steven Universe, um, and they find out, and then we talk about it. But like, very, very few. Like a couple watch anime, and that's about well, well, it. A couple admit to watching anime. There's probably more. <laughs> No, no, not in, not in, among mine. Not really. I mean, maybe they maybe they will as they get a little older. But I've I've got age ranges from like five to high school senior, and yeah. really, I'll be like, oh, what do you watch? They're like, uh, like they watch they watch YouTube videos and they watch yeah. um, Twitch, Twitch, yeah, and that's yeah. the main thing that, that, that they watch. They and they play video games. So like the paradigm is really shifting with how the Gen Gen Z watches and consumes media. And so seeing how that informs, you know, the next decade of TV, I think is going to be really interesting. Yeah, I, that's the big thing, and we're just going to look so old when we're still talking about Netflix. And yeah, no one's no one's watching Netflix. Anymore. No, yeah, no one's going to be watching Netflix. You know, what has also been fascinating and super fun to experience vicariously is people finding shows like Friends on netflix and just like yeah. Oh, yeah i just got into friends which like why wouldn't they i mean come on uh, i'm sure yeah. that's how it felt for people that uh, i knew who liked doctor who when in college i was like so i just started watching doctor who from the beginning <laughs> um but yeah it, it that's it, it's so neat how that can come back around and yes netflix has too much power but hey i was just talking about earlier in this episode how great it is that now people actually 
know what Billy on the Street is <laughs> because of Netflix, and they know what Shit's Creek is because of Netflix. Um, and so they're you know for yeah, they get- don't know what Kim's convenience is because of Netflix. So I don't understand how we can champion this. We need a <laughs> we need a sneak attack with Kim's convenience. I don't. I'm I like. It is. I very much want to get my family to watch it, um, and I'm hoping that's kind of a stealth plan for Thanksgiving. I feel like your family would love Kim's Convenience right? so much. They would love it. They would really love it, and then they could get my references. Some of them, not all of them. Some of them. It would be great. But anyways, yeah. No, it, the the paradigm is continuing to shift, and at some point, it's gonna the bubble's gonna burst, and and the shows will start contracting. We've already seen the style and the types of shows, the the variety yeah. of shows contract, um, but the number of shows is gonna start contracting at some point. But who knows? Who knows that there will still be uh, a podcast around at that point? Uh, a television at that point, but um, yeah, it certainly has been a very interesting and a very compelling and a very rich past 10 years of, of TV and yeah. Any, any final thoughts, any other themes or trends we haven't discussed? Mm. No, no, I don't think so. Is there, is there any, are there any shows that you feel bad that you haven't seen or that at some point you'll get to or no? I mean, I, I, I mean, I feel bad about like some shows, like just leaving off like Parks and Rec, which I didn't watch. Um, Veep, which I've never, I think I watched like a little bit of the pilot and then just mm-hmm. didn't continue. I don't know that that's um, a null show. I think they might all yeah. be too mean. I don't know. And it's a possibility. And I mean, I'm trying to answer that question as my partner and I try to figure out if we're going to watch Avenue 5 or not. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> But that trailer is so bad that we can't decide. <laughs> um, um, yeah, no, I don't think that there's anything I feel particularly bad about leaving off. But it was also one of those things where ever I do this kind of a list, I go, all right, but what was also important Yeah, in terms of things uh, that I watched? Like, I mean, Arrow's not on a list, but significant significant well we haven't mentioned the walking dead we haven't mentioned game of thrones hugely significant shows right yeah which i mean yeah we we aren't interested in them but they're hugely significant right yeah Walking Dead has been good game of thrones has been good just if you take the whole it's just not uh, yeah if you take it as a whole that's a different and more complicated conversation but there are absolutely truly great episodes of each of those both yeah. of those. There's only two. Uh, the one that comes to mind for me that I feel bad about is I do feel like I need to give the Detectorists another look. <laughs> oh, if only so for many Carl. Angry commenters. No, just 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 for Carl. Just uh, Carl, not just all Carl. the angry commenters yeah. at the TV club. Yeah, not all of them. No, no, just for Carl. Um, but um, but I really don't feel bad because there's just so much like. I feel like this decade is the decade where it became impossible to follow everything. You could barely yeah. scrape by with your teeth, <laughs> like in your nails and your teeth in the previous decade. But in 2010 to 2019, it's just, you couldn't, it couldn't physically be done um, even in any meaningful way. Too many cooks. Every now and again, someone tells me about a TV show that I haven't even heard of. And I'm just like, it takes a lot for me to not have even heard of a TV show. Like, it takes a lot. And yet, none none of us can 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 follow it all. I mean, I don't know most of Amazon Prime's original programming. So like mm-hmm. every time I see something for Modern Love, I go, "Is that a movie?" <laughs> just to, yeah, yeah. Just if you think, and you know why it is, it's because their in, in, their interface is terrible. If they just fix their app, oh, they fix their interface, that would take care of so bad. much. Yeah. It's Anyways, super bad. 
We should wrap up our conversation. This has been a lovely conversation. Thank you, Noel. Mm-hmm. Um, listeners, Thank you. reach out with your picks for the best the decade had to offer on TV and and which shows most connected with you, what what themes and, and notes you find. Like For me, unsurprisingly, I remain just most connected to shows about empathy and shows about the human experience. Yeah. It's like that's... I'm that's always going to be what I'm drawn towards. So it's not that that theme is all the way through my top 50. And uh, yeah, I expect it will likely stay the same in the next decade, but we'll, I imagine we'll see. Um, for now, a few show notes. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. And you can also email us at televerse at gmail.com. We're up an Apple podcast with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. We'd appreciate uh, ratings, reviews there, and also over on Stitcher where you can find us. And of course, we are both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are at Noel RK. Thanks so much for a great week, Kate. Thank you, Noel. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving.